chapter 13. Hallelujah. Verses 20 and verses 21. And perhaps you have heard me on occasion, and, 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 and I will talk about that in just a little bit. Uh, verse 20 and 21 in the King James Version. Now, the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom will be glory forever and ever. Amen. And if you have that also there, uh, perhaps if you have an Amplified Bible, you will find Parallel Bible. I'm going to read that to you as well in the Amplified Bible as well. Verses 20 and 21. Now may the God of peace, who is the author and the giver of peace, who brought again from among the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood that sealed, ratified the everlasting agreement, the covenant, and the testament, strengthen, complete, and perfect, and make you what you ought to be, and equip you with everything good that you may carry out his will, while he himself works in you and accomplishes that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, the Messiah, to whom be the glory forever and ever to the ages of ages. Amen. So be it. Let me just read this to you in, in, in one more translation as well. You don't have to go there. So, you know, uh, you can just listen very well uh, if, you, if you like to do that. But I much more beseech you to do this. And this is from the Darby's New Testament translation. But I much more beseech you to do this, that I may be the more quickly restored to you. But the God of peace, who brought again from among the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, in the power of the blood of the eternal covenant. In the power of the blood of the eternal covenant. Perfect you in every good work to doing his will. Doing in you what is pleasing before him through Jesus Christ. To whom be glory for the ages of ages. Amen. Hallelujah. Through, 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 or in the power of the blood. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. I, such an important scripture for all of us as people of God on this morning. Hallelujah. This, and I love the book of Hebrews, and specifically chapter 13. Verses 21 and 22. I love them, and it is a benediction, and I just believe that verses 20 and 21 here that we've been reading ranks among the most powerfully worded blessings that is found in all of the Scripture. So for your consideration this morning, again, just pulling out from a portion of that which we read from Darby's translation, the power of the blood. 
There really is power in the blood of Jesus, people of God. We have some of you that are uh, professionals in, in the medical and in, in the health field that are here with us on this morning and, 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 and all of that. But our human bodies, which we know are made up of systems, mm -hmm. and, and, and these include our, our nervous system and, and, and our circulatory system and our muscular system and, and lymphatic system, skeletal system, and even our immune system. And I'm not giving a class on anatomy this morning. Amen. Yeah, all right, we, 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 we're, we're in the scripture in the word of God this morning. So these systems are, really are, when you think about it, they are in, independent, independent upon one another. And when one of these systems goes down, the rest of the body is negatively impacted by that. It is the same way when one's blood ceases to flow, then one's life will stop or cease. Lord, keep the blood flowing. Keep the blood flowing. Blood has a special significance in Scripture because the Bible says, and you don't have these Scriptures, uh, our, our media are working with the children and they are coordinating all of those things, but there are specific Scriptures in the Word of God, in the book of Genesis, in the book of Leviticus, in the book of Deuteronomy, and I'll give you those Scriptures if you like. Uh, Genesis chapter 9, verse 4. Leviticus, Leviticus chapter 17, verse 11, and also in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 12, verse 23. And what it says here, again, because blood has a special significance in scripture. It does have a special significance when it comes to the word of God, because I gave you those scriptures, because the life of the flesh is in the blood, people of God. Hallelujah. However, the Bible's emphasis is not on blood circulating through the bodies, through our bodies, but on the shed blood, yes. the shed blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Yes. Not on, it, it, it's, there's, there's no emphasis on blood's chemical properties, but on its symbolic significance. And we will be receiving the communion today uh, in just a little while. So since the blood in the body represents life, then the shed blood represents life poured out. Sadly, and I was thinking about this, uh, and I was talking to Pastor Dora about it one day earlier this week, and I had a conversation with another minister. Uh, we, we were just, in fact, talking several years ago, and he said, you know, that pleading the blood, you know, that, that, that's, that's what they used to do, you know, Grandmom and great grandmom and all, they used to plead the blood and all of that. And we had a very, a very lively discussion and conversation about that. Praise God. But there was no bloodshed. It was on the way. <laughs> but thank God for deliverance. Hallelujah. But sadly, the phrase pleading the blood is out of fashion today. And I was talking to Pastor Dorn about that. I said, honey, I, you know, I, I guess it's, it's a good report, you know, but you don't hear people pleading the blood anymore. And I believe because of that statement, uh, pleading the blood is out of fashion today, that we are the poorer for it. 
we, 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 we're going somewhere this morning. Uh, uh, if anything that, if there's anything that Satan hates, it is the blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And some folk, even Christians, even believers, uh, they despise the blood when you talk about the blood. And to some other folk, it's just, to not other folks specifically, and I'm not talking about a particular group of people, but to others, it's really foolish. And to some people, they just ignore, I'm just going to ignore all of that blood stuff. But in this text here before us on this morning, people of God, we see the power of the blood that can make us, watch this, perfect in every good work. This phrase here, uh, translated, make you perfect, there's a Greek word for that, katartizo, katartizo, katartizo. And that Greek word, it means thoroughly, complete, it means repaired, adjusted, fitly framed together, it means mended and joined together, it means prepared and restored. Those are definitions straight out of Strong's Concordance of the Bible. And it's used in reference to the setting of a, in, in medical terms, uh, it's used in terms of the setting of a broken bone. Uh, it, it means it's, it's used in reference to the mending of a fishing net and to the readying of a ship for a journey and to the equipping of an army for battle. When we say make you perfect in every good work. But it is through the blood of Jesus Christ that the broken bones of our bodies and our relationships and our fellowships are set right with God. Right. Uh, I, 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 I'll go preach myself happy here in a minute. Pray for me now. And I got to say that again. It is through the blood of Jesus that the broken bones of our body and our relationships and our fellowship are set right with Jesus. It is through the blood that the holes are mended in the nets of our vocations and our finances. It is through the blood that we too battle against the enemy physically, relationally, emotionally, spiritually, and eternally. We are made perfect, watch this, not by studying counseling, or even by seminars. We are made perfect people of God by one thing and one thing only, the blood of the everlasting covenant. There it is right there. You can read it for yourself. Stick a pin in it. The blood has been, has been supplied to us, people of God. So my question to you this morning is, is it being applied? Where's my amen corner this morning? Yes, Hallelujah. Well, you might say, well, oh, yeah, 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 sure. I want my family to do well, and I want my home to be blessed, you might say. But, 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 but tell me, how do I do that? How can I do it? I'm just going to give you this chapter here. We're not going to turn there because there's a lot involved in it. Let me just give you a synopsis of it. In the book of Leviticus, in the Old Testament, chapter 14. In this particular chapter here in Leviticus chapter 14, it presents instruction concerning the blood as seen in the law of the leper. You've heard about the, the story of the lepers in the Old Testament. You see, throughout the Bible, 
throughout the Bible, leprosy served as an illustration of sin and sinfulness. And just like sin, leprosy manifested itself insignificantly in a person's life at first. It, was, it could be just a little spot under the skin, but it went on to spread so insidiously and so rapidly that the affected person would be cast out of the community. So now here, according to Leviticus chapter 14, anybody that was healed of leprosy was to be brought before a priest, but you had to go outside the camp because you weren't allowed in the camp. Oh, you got love to get out with you. So if you had it, but you were healed of it, the Bible says that you had to go and show yourself to the priest, but you had to go outside the camp to do it. And if the priest found him or her healed, then that former leper was instructed to bring, what's this, two sparrows, two sparrows, two birds. And, 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 and they were told to get some cedar wood and then some scarlet and some hyssop. And then the further instructions in that time were that the birds were killed in an earthen vessel and the other bird, along with that cedar wood, and along with that, uh, uh, that scarlet and that hyssop, they were dipped in the blood of that slain bird. And then finally, yeah, uh, the blood was also sprinkled seven times on that person that was that healed leper, seven times. You see the significance here? You know, we used to say it at the, at the old church, whoa, um, uh, in the blood of all those turtle doves and, and, and bullocks and all that stunk in God's nostrils. So this blood that was sprinkled seven times on this leper and all of those other elements, which included the two, the two sparrows, those two birds, that cedar wood, that scarlet, and that hyssop, if you go on and study, they really are absolutely a perfect picture of our redemption and what Jesus Christ did for all of us on the cross of Calvary. So now, people of God, just like here in Leviticus chapter 14, we come to our great high priest, Jesus Christ, not the priest the, 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 back in the Old Testament, that priest, but our great high priest, Jesus Christ, and we too are supposed to follow him outside of the camp. He is the one that watches us, has made us whiter than snow. We have been covered with his blood. Hallelujah. And all of our sins have been forgiven. We are the redeemed of the Lord. And if you are one of the redeemed of the Lord, come on, give the Lord a shout of praise and glory in here on this morning. Oh, I told you, I'm preaching myself happy on this morning. So just like that leper, people of God, the sacrifice of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, made on our behalf also consisted of cedar wood, the cedar wood because the cross was made out of cedar wood. And the offering of his own life was scarlet. That blood was red. So it was the scarlet red blood that prayed the price for our redemption. And the hyssop, 
upon which we was, he was offered to drink. This, this, this earthenware vessel. And I'm really teaching a Bible study in here. But I'm, 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 this is it this morning. And that earthenware vessel, the earthenware vessel wherein the sparrow was killed, speaks of all of humanity. All of humanity for all time. And when that, while that released bird, the one that got away went soaring up into the heavens, speaks of the deity of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Now remember, one was killed and his blood was offered up and sprinkled as a sacrifice. The other one was released and let go. Freedom. And I know that bird, when it was let go, free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, I'm free at last. Yes. Now this blood that was sprinkled seven times speaks about completion, much more than that. These seven places from which this Jesus shed his blood. Think about this. There were seven places on Jesus' body in which he shed his blood. Number one, from his forehead, he sweated drops of blood in his forehead on the night before he went to the cross in the Garden of Gethsemane. He, 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 he shed blood from the stripes that were on his back from being beaten and whipped with many stripes. And number three, he shed blood from his brow because if you recall now, the Roman soldiers took a, a took uh, and, 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 and plaited a thorn, a crown of thorns and jammed it down on his head and he began to bleed from the brow from that crown of thorns. And fourthly, he bled from his face as his beard was plucked out, hair by hair by hair. And the fifth thing was he bled from his hands that were nailed to the cross. Bled. And seventh, he bled from his side due to the Roman soldiers jabbing that spear into his side. And the blood and the water ran down. So seven times, people of God, Jesus' blood flowed. I'm sorry? And in his feet. Thank you very much. I did. Yes, from his hands and his feet. Thank you for your support. So seven times Jesus' blood flowed and it provided complete forgiveness for our sin. And that blood also provided for complete healing of our bodies and watch this, and it also provided for complete victory over the devil. So if we were to fast forward and go into the book of Revelation at the back of the book as we like to say, in Revelation chapter 12, verse 10, it tells us that, 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 that we see a battle that was raged in the heavens between the archangel Michael and the dragon, who is called Satan. But even in all of that, Michael, the archangel, wins over the devil. Hallelujah. And the dragon is eventually cast out of heaven. You say, well, how does that happen? Did they just call the ushers and the ushers, usher, get them out? Security, get them out? How did that happen? 
by the blood of the lamb and by the word of testimony. Verse 10, Revelation chapter 12. This is what John says. He says, I heard a voice, a loud voice saying in heaven, now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. You are familiar with this scripture in Matthew chapter 6, verse 10. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in heaven, Jesus prayed. So then how do we as people of God, how do we overcome the dragon who is our accuser? The same way that it's done in heaven, I'm giving you the answer. Through the blood of the lamb. So the way to overcome the enemy in your home, in your marriage, in your children, is seen right here. The formula is right here in Revelation chapter 12 and Leviticus chapter 14. You got it in the Old Testament. You have it in the New Testament. But we also see it right here in Hebrews chapter 13. It's not by counseling. It's not by attending workshops and not by establishing support groups and all of those things. And all of those things are wonderful. But the devil, people of God, is overcome by the blood because nothing else is powerful enough to overcome him. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. You see, when we, we, we think about the Garden of Eden and we, we, we read about those circumstances and all of those things that happened in the Garden of Eden, yeah, 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 God gave Adam dominion over this earth in, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. At that time, again, God gave Adam dominion over the earth. Here it is. Let's read it. Let me, let me read it for you. I'll quote it. And God said, and this is the conversation between God and Adam, let us make man in our image, and talking to Jesus and the Holy Ghost, excuse me, and after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Most folk don't like spiders and snakes and all of those things that creep. But hallelujah, back here in the book of beginnings, we are to have dominion over every creeping thing that creepeth upon, upon the earth, as well as over the cattle and over the fowl of the air and over the fish of the sea and every living thing. So God, in effect here, had handed Adam the title deed to this planet on which we live. But now Adam, in turn, he transferred that ownership and that dominion that God had given him, he transferred it over to Satan, when he knowingly bought into Satan's lies. Whenever you buy in to anything that the devil is trying to tell you, you're giving your authority and your dominion over to him. Don't do it. That's why Jesus calls Satan the prince of this world. He is the prince of this world. 
That's why I believe today there are wars and, and there are famines and there's all kind of heartache and political and social unrest and financial unrest today. That's why there is murder and disease and even death in this earth because of rampant activities that Satan is perpetrating upon all of humanity. Yes. Now, newsflash, everybody watches CNN or one of the other, you know, news networks and every now and then you see something called breaking news. Breaking news for you this morning. All of those things that I just talked about, they are not God's fault. They are the consequences of man's treason and rebellion against God. In any time you give your authority over to the devil, any time you rebel against God, you too are opening yourself up for anything that the enemy wants to send your way. People of God, don't do it. Yeah, so all of this, these, these, these natural disasters and all of this other stuff, they're calling them your insurance company, your homeowners, they call it acts of God and all that kind of stuff. Heard a lady talking about, the, about a week and a half, two weeks ago because of the rampant fires and all of that. Well, is God on vacation? No, he's not on vacation. You're the one that's out to lunch, but he ain't on vacation, I can tell you that. All this stuff going on catastrophic events and all of those things going on now. Consequences of sin, treason, and rebellion. But in the very beginning, God had a plan, people of God. And this is what he said. In effect, that I'm just paraphrasing in my own words here. He said, I'm going to buy back the world by sending my son Jesus, who is the sparrow. He is the lamb of God. And he's going to die and pay the price for the sin of Adam and for all of humanity. That's what God said. And that's what he did. He sent his son, Jesus. Took on the form of human flesh. And he came and he dwelt among men. So God did what he said he was going to do. But let's go a little further than that. So he pinned Jesus to the cross. And Jesus' blood was shed as payment for our sins. And the world has been purchased back by the blood of the son of Calvary. I got to say that again because I think even people of God, saints of God, believers, they, 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 they missed this. The world has been purchased back by the blood of the son of Calvary. And because of that, don't let your hearts fail for fear. Don't fret not. Fret not. Don't have anxiety about anything. Because Satan's days are numbered. And he will be dealt with in due season. But right now, however, people of God, Satan is exercising squatter's rights in this earth. He's a squatter right now on this planet. But in addition to that, he may even possibly be squatting in your home and your family and your finances and your body and on your job as well. Oh, you never heard it like that before, have you? So now I'm going to give you a hypothetical. I'm going to give you a hypothetical here. Now, 
suppose while I'm here at church today, someone moves into my house. And when I go home, I find this guy sitting in my living room. And I see him there and I dejectedly go over to the market or the shop right or the Walmart and, and, I, and I go over there and I, I go into the parking lot and I, and I get myself a shopping cart. And I take that shopping cart and I just start walking down the street pushing that shopping cart. And if you're driving through the parking lot or driving down the highway and you look and you slam on brakes, roll down your window in your nice fancy car, and you say, what are you doing out there, pastor? You would probably ask me. And now remember, this is hypothetical here now. And if I were to say to you, I'm homeless. And then I go in and say, well, I went to church this morning. Somebody moved into my house while I was away, and, and now I'm just defeated, and I'm just so, so, so discouraged, and I just don't know what to do. And then being the, the, the Bible-quoting, faith-talking, glory-walking saint of God you are, you would look me right in the eye and say, wait a minute now, let me get, wait, 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 let, just let me get this straight right here, you'd say. You, first of all, you would look at me in disbelief and say, because you know ain't nobody coming in my house. You know that, unless they've been invited. You ain't coming out. They may come walking in, but they're going limping out. And let me get this straight, Pastor. You mean to tell me that somebody moved into the house that you bought and you just let them have it? Yeah, I would, I would answer. <laughs> yeah, that's right, that's right, that's right. But I don't know what else I'm supposed to do. You'd probably ask me, well, pastor, do you have your title deed to your house? You'd ask. And I'd come back and say, well, yes, I, 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 I do. And then if you're smart and full of wisdom, you'd say, well, go get the authorities. And then show them the title deed to your house. And then what you need to do, pastor, is go move back into your house because it's yours. Now, here we go. We're out of the hypothetical now, all right? So the thing, same thing happens to people of God spiritually as well. Satan has no authority. He has no right. And he has no hold on you in any way, shape, or form. All he can do is claim squatters' rights to you and say, well, you know that depression you got? You know that's never going to lift. You know all those issues that you have right now? Guess what? They're never going to leave you. You know, you know, your daughter's hanging out with the wrong crowd. And you know also that the breakup your fam of your family is inevitable. And what do you do as a faith-talking, glory-walking, tongue-talking child of the Most High God? Do you go get your shopping cart and start 
pushing it through the streets in despair. Think about it. Satan, the squatter, he takes up residence by falsely accusing us in three areas of our lives. He, accuse, he accuses us of our past sin. And he accuses us of our past sin day and night by saying, well, you know, you've, you've fallen and you've failed in this area so many times. And guess what? You ain't never going to make it. And by the way, I want to tell you today, by the way, people of God, we overcome past sin by the blood of the Lamb. I don't know how you overcame it, but I overcame all of my past sin by the blood of the Lamb. Thank you, Jesus. And so in this conversation that you've allowed the devil to have with you, you have to say just, shut up, Satan. I may have failed a billion times, but the blood of the Lamb is absolutely inexhaustible. Glory be to God. Oh, there is a fountain of blood that will never run dry. Satan, you might accuse me night and day, but the blood of Jesus covers me completely for where sin abounds, grace abounds even much more. Everybody say, thank God for the much more. Hallelujah. Now, concerning our present circumstances, Satan cannot grasp, he cannot grip or dominate any area to which the blood has been applied. Anybody have any hand cleaner? Who's got some hand cleaner in here? Somebody pick me out some hand cleaner very, very quick. Let me just show you something here. Hallelujah. Just give me something real quick. I just need something. I need something. Oh, here, 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 here. Slab it up. Open up, open up, up, up. Quickly, 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 quickly. Give me that. There we go. All right, thank you. All right, now. Here we go. Thank you. We got it. All right. I got it. I got it. I got it. All right. Let me, let me, let me, let me, let me bottle right there. Thank you. All right. Hallelujah. Now, oh, look at it. Bingo. Everybody, everybody gets a cookie after church. Give me a water bottle right there if you would, please. All right. So now, let's just say, for instance, that hand cleaner is the blood. No, 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 I'm with that one right there. Thank you because of that. Look. See what happened? I got the blood applied. See that? Put it at the top of your Christmas list. Say it again. Everybody say it again. Huh? Got the blood applied. Satan cannot grip. He cannot hold on to. That was very impromptu, by the way. Hallelujah. Satan cannot grip anything to which the blood of Jesus has been applied. He cannot dominate any area of your life where the blood has been applied. And I want to tell you that... You can give in if you choose to do that. You can succumb to everything that the devil tries to do to you if you want to. But in reality, people of God, the devil has no authority whatsoever because of 
that cleansing blood of Jesus. It is the cleansing what can make us whole again. Hallelujah. Nothing but the blood. Hallelujah. Nothing but the blood. Yeah. Hallelujah. So now, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about Noah. In, in who, when, when, when Noah was constructing the ark, and, and, and that ark really was constructed to provide a place of salvation for his sons and their wives. Watch this, even 20 years before his sons were even born. You may not understand what God is doing in your life right now. But if you trust God and you listen to him, hallelujah. You may not see the end at the very beginning, but if you just look to Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of your faith, everything in your life is going to be all right. Hallelujah. Acts chapter 16 verse 31 says, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thy house. That's what the apostle Paul said over there in the New Testament. Ah. Not everybody can make their own decision to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. But just like Noah, you as parents, you as adults, and even you as children as well, you can provide a place in which Satan will not be able to seduce any of your family into walking away from the Lord if you apply the blood to your house. So how do we do it? Well, there are three, excuse me, specific ways. First, the blood has to be applied to our houses corporately. That means together. So after, after being in bondage for 400 years, the children of Israel prayed to the Lord and he raised up a deliverer by the name of Moses. And thus saith the Lord, Moses said to Pharaoh, let my people go. But Pharaoh was reluctant to do that. And he continued to subject the nation, uh, the, the Israel to, that was in bondage in Egypt to all those plagues. And the last plague, the last plague which was loosed upon them in Egypt was the death of every firstborn son whose house was not marked with the blood. So then how were these houses supposed to be marked with the blood? Write this down in Exodus chapter 12, verses 22 and 23, gave specific instructions for how they were to mark their homes with the blood. First of all, each household had to kill a lamb. They had to dip the brush-like hyssop plant, that plant that we talked about earlier, into the blood. And then they were to mark the top and the sides of the doorpost and the thresholds of their doors. And when they did that, watch me, top, threshold, side, side. What did I just do? Hello, somebody. Ding, 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 ding. 
Yeah. It formed a picture of the cross. And those houses that were marked with the blood were passed over by the death angel. So then why was that blood applied to the doorway? Because in that culture, in that day, the doorway was the most prominent part of the home. Not like it is in our homes today. The most prominent thing in our homes today is probably what we have sitting in the driveway or that big 60-inch whatever, whatever make hanging on the wall. But not in those days. The blood was the most prominent thing displayed in the homes because the entrances and the exits were always made through the front door. There was only one way in and there was only one way out. Yeah, so that meant whenever they came in and whenever they went out, that the picture of a cross was always before them. Whether it was conscious in their minds or whether it was subconscious in their minds, but it was always there. And then secondly, according to what God instructed Moses and the children of Israel to do, the blood was to be applied, and just as it is today, to our bodies individually as well. So back now, let's rewind a little bit. Back in Leviticus chapter 14, we see the remaining sequence of the law of the leper. And what happened was, on the eighth day, that leper that had been healed, there was a trespass offering that was made in which some of the blood of the lamb that was slain was applied to the tip of the right ear of that leper that healed the leper. It was applied to that leper's right thumb and it was applied to their right big toe of that person that had been healed from leprosy. So there's significance in that. So in other words, people of God, the blood was applied to the person's hearing, to their activity, and to their big toe, to their direction. And then oil was now applied to those same three places. Tip of the right ear, right thumb, and right big toe. Oil was applied. So my question to you this morning, people of God, is do you want to hear properly? Do you want power to work effectively? And do you want to walk uprightly before the Lord this morning? Well, oil is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Spirit can only flow where the blood has been first applied. You've got to get the blood of Jesus applied to you this morning. So I'm standing before you this morning, people of God, today to tell you that you cannot have the empowering of the Holy Spirit without realizing that you first need the cleansing power of the blood. So now the blood has been supplied. Again, the question that remains is will you apply it? All the blood that I'm talking about is just so powerful. It's potent. And you can do it. You can receive it. All you need to do is just lift up your hands before the Lord. Lift them up to heaven and say, Lord, thank you that it is your blood that cleanses me from all of my past failings. 
that it stops the attack of the enemy and that it secures my salvation. Finally, here we are this morning. We're in the place where we need to be. Finally, the blood is applied and received in our holy communion. Jesus said in Luke chapter 22, he said, this is my blood which is shed for you. My blood shed for you. And then he said to do this in remembrance of me. So every communion Sunday, people of God, we can, we can, we can come and we can bow our knees and, and we, can, we can receive all that the Lord has for us. We can plead the blood over ourselves and our families and we can receive it at the Lord's, whoops, receive it at the Lord's table even. So the blood is available. It's been supplied. But will it be applied? That is the question. Plead the blood, beloved, precious people of God. And as you do that, just realize that pleading the blood of the lamb is not some magical incantation. And I think that's why folk are reluctant to plead the blood of Jesus today because it's been used for all kinds of unscriptural stuff. And people did, uh, well, it's not some magical incantation. It doesn't mean it's not some open says me or abracadabra. It's not a phrase. It's not a mantra or any of those things. What it is, it's understanding that the victory has already been won and that the price has already been paid and that the work of the cross has been complete. It is finished and it is done. And I'm saying to you this afternoon, no, we're still in this morning, Truly, there is power in the blood. Come on, give the Lord a shout of praise and glory. So wait a minute, let me close with this last thing right now. So truly, there is power in the blood. So put away your shopping cart, saints of God, and reclaim your house. Everybody say amen. amen. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you would like to support this ministry, consider giving online. Text keyword RWOLFC to 77977 or through our free app. Search RWOLFC in the App Store. For more information, visit www.rwolfc.com for articles, blog posts, message references, and our monthly calendar of events. 